Welcome to Dangerously Likely. I'm Caleb. I'm Terrell. And today we are dangerously likely to talk about boating. So Caleb, it's spook season. It's October. Spooky season. I love horror movies, obviously. You know what? So does my mom. Ooh, really? That's all she watches. She just wants to watch horror movies with me all October long. Yeah, that, what else are you going to do in October? It's true. Have you, are you a big TikToker? I can't remember. I don't, I, I don't personally. Yeah. There's a couple on TikTok. Sorry, small side tangent. There's a couple on TikTok where the guy, the husband, he dresses up as Michael Myers. Oh. And his wife posts on TikTok like random pictures. There was one where he's in a cornfield just staring oh, as God. people were driving by. He like took the family tractor to go pick his son up from school. And he's in the full Michael Myers outfit. Like that's me. That that is me. So you just dress up as Michael Myers and stand in the cornfield? Yeah, pretty much. Hmm. I li- we live in Idaho. That's not the scariest thing you see here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh so yes, I, I I mean I don't watch a lot of horror movies, but I will watch them. I think they're kind of funny. I don't, they don't really scare me, you know? Okay. I respect that. I mean, same. Wait, what's your favorite? Ooh. Hot, uh, Cause of the whole Michael Myers theme. I'll just stick to it. Halloween H20. So that's the one where Jamie Lee Curtis, she has a son and they're in prep school and all that jazz. I think my favorite is the original Blair Witch Project. There's another Blair Witch Project? The original from the 90s. There's another one? Like, I thought that was the only one. Oh, they made, they like remade it like a couple years ago, and I guess it was terrible. Of course it was terrible. You can't remake the Blair Witch Project. No, you can't. Unless you go back to where they were and everyone dies. So why are you bringing up horror Did I just give away (laughs) that movie? I'll cut it out. Cut that part out. Um, Well, I think it would be really cool if we thought, what if we were in a horror movie? What role would we play? Who would we be? Maybe we should do like for each other, like who, what I think you would be and what you think I would be. Okay. Well, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? I'm intrigued. You go first. Okay. I have a very specific answer for you, Terrell. Oh, I don't like this already. (laughs) To me, if you were any character in a horror movie, you'd be the character that would realize that you're in a horror movie and then try to like smart your way out of it, but still be the first to die. What? (laughs) Absolutely. Not a chance. Absolutely not. There is no way I'm the first to die. That's how you play in a monster. I'm at least (laughs) third. I'm going (laughs) to excuse that last comment. (laughs) I'm at least third. If anything, I'm the one who's like, I how many? Yeah, like five. There's normally about five in any good horror movie. I mean, I'll accept that, but I don't think you're living. I can agree to that. (laughs) If I'm not the killer, I'm probably going to die. You're not the killer. Uh, mm. If you were the killer, you'd still somehow die first. No, I just get caught. And die. I'm going to die. Probably with like a chainsaw or something. No, I'm a big knife guy. Okay, big knives. (laughs) Oh, it doesn't sound very knife, but very knife. <laughs> I said very knife of you. I just don't know. If it's very I can't. Knife. I can't with you. You cut it out. I'm just really taking a stab at these puns right now. Oh, my God. 
I'm I'm upset that you brought up imposters. I'm upset that you've Mark, now brought in a bunch of puns. <laughs> I'm gonna say mine for you. If I were to see you in a horror movie, you wouldn't be the first to die. Oh, thank you. Congratulations. I'm surprised you didn't. <laughs> but you would be the second one to die who wasn't killed by the killer. You're the one who like runs in and trips and falls and like that's how they die. Like you fall down a well or something. Not oh, like fall down a well. You're trying to protect people, well, but you're trying to press like an acceptance. You're trying to protect people, but in doing so, you cause more harm to yourself. That's that's where I see you in a horror movie. Well, I'll have to sit on that one for a while. I thought I was ready for like another well pun and it just didn't hit. So I wasn't doing a pun. Uh, shocking. <laughs> oh my. I'm still upset that you called me out as like the first to die. I'm not even the first to die in every Among Us game. Also, well, for those listening, Among Us is a weird pop culture sensation that has taken off in the last few months. Have you ever take. played Murder in the Dark? Because that's basically what that game is. But better because you can just point at someone and say that they're sussed and then everything kind of goes downhill from there. And for all our older listeners out there, sus means, <laughs> what What does it mean, Terrell? Suspect. Suspect. Yes. Or suspicious. suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. But I would just like to point out that the only time I die in Among Us is because I'm normally like, that's the killer right there. I saw them kill in front of me and do something else that's suspicious. You never explained the game. And everyone votes against me. Sorry, I did skip the explaining of the game. So Among Us is a awesome app like game that you can get on your phone where you and a group of up to 10 people are put on a random map and someone is considered the imposter or the, the, killer. the killer in the situation. You can have up to three imposters. And you have to go around and do some task if you're not an imposter. But the goal of the game is for all of the crewmates, the people who aren't imposters, to either complete their task or find all of the imposters before they all die. Yeah. And I always die because I point out and say, it was orange in this random location i saw them kill in front of me and orange will say no it was a self-report and everyone votes for me every time (laughs) so if you're looking for a great halloween night watch any of the halloweens the original blair witch project and play the game among us but play with friends app store (laughs) (laughs) wasn't ready for that little commercial there (laughs) shall we move on I'm still mad. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Didn't think I would be first. Like, we aren't in the 90s anymore. Black people make it to the end of horror movies now. <laughs> Jeez. Have you ever seen Into the Woods? <laughs> they threw out the whole old book. Have you ever seen Scream 2? Scream 2 literally talks about that. Oh, wow. We need to have a horror movie night. Okay. Like, I heard the like the most newest Halloween was good. It was actually it was really good. I really want to watch that. Better than the other remakes in the thousands. Those were not as good. Mm-hmm. What's another great? I know what you did last summer. The whole what did like I do? the whole like black person dying first theme has been thrown. Out. 
Oh, God. Again, Idaho. Makes sense. We're fitting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it comes back around now. Okay. So have you seen all the crazy headlines lately? Yeah, there's some crazy stuff happening right now, Terrell. So Texas and Georgia both experienced super long lines in Georgia, especially in the Atlanta area. People waited up to 10 hours to vote as early voting started just today. In Texas, there was also like in the Houston area, like almost all the polling stations, like there was 30 of something of them. And almost all of them experienced a glitch and people had to wait extra long to vote in those lines. There was crazy news a couple days ago about the California uh, GOP putting, what is this? What the hell is this? They were putting fake ballot boxes, not ballot boxes. Fake ballot boxes for absentee and mail-in votes. For absentee and mail-in votes. That's absolutely insane. Now now they that's unlawful. So Mm -hmm. California might be prosecuting them. And Trump, of course, is supporting the GOP. And I know the attorney general for California sent a cease and desist to the GOP saying like, you got to stop. And now the GOP saying, well, they're secure and we can validate them. So do we? Yeah, that's not how elections work. And, (laughs) And also Virginia, last day to register to vote in Virginia right now. And Somehow overnight, um, they said it was an accident because of some road construction or, or something, but last day to register to vote in Virginia and the fiber cable was cut. Mm-hmm. So it was out like half the day yeah. and there's lawsuits saying extend it, extend it because, you know, historically young voters and minority voters register on the last day mm-hmm. disproportionately with other voters. So yeah. Crazy stuff. But if there is one bright side to look at so far with some of these early voting um, days, even though there is long lines, some of this is just because there is so much turnout. Georgia had 127,000 people turn out uh, for early voting, which is a just shattered records. So if there's one benefit, uh, more people are taking this seriously and they're trying to get out the vote early because for whatever reason, for avoiding election day chaos, but also trying to avoid big crowds because of COVID. And yeah, so, so I guess that's one thing we can look at, but otherwise it's been absolutely insane. So should we, what do you want to talk about first out of all those? (laughs) Honestly, the first thing that pops into my head is the tweet from Mike Lee during the VP debate Mm. where Kamala Harris said something about democracy and protecting the democracy. Mm-hmm. And Mike Lee quickly responded, America's not a democracy. And everyone's like, oh. um, you want to you want to recheck that? I mean, yes, technically a republic and and and. But as you listen what? to... Just an odd tweet. Yeah, not, general. not thoughtful. Why, Mike Lee? Because Mike Lee, Senator Mike Lee from Utah that also got COVID from Trump. And is still doing... All of the normal things he was doing after without face quarantining. Like I did air quotes, by the way, air quotes quarantining. Um, but was also he has COVID mm-hmm. and is still attending the Supreme Court Justice yes. Amy Coney Barrett hearings without with, facial coverings. 
Fantastic. Yeah. Does he quarantine long enough? It's not great. It's not great. Not great, Dan. <laughs> but I, I think to his tweet, because our democracy is is in the balance right now. We we're talking about multiple states that are for the first time in many of our our recent recollections are being considered states that are competitive for both parties. And you are seeing not even in a quiet way anymore, widespread what the president would call voter fraud, not from the party that he was leaning on, but from his own. I mean, and you you look back to what, 2013, 2014, with the Supreme Court's decision on the Voting Rights Act, where the, the teeth of that legislation was pulled out and said, you need to recalculate this formula because it's inappropriately hindering states from facilitating their voting options. And now we're in 2020 and very quickly seeing that those same bad actors at that one point in time are falling back into some old habits. So Terrell, speaking specifically for California, California is a pretty blue state. So how big of a deal is it really that the, that the state GOP there is kind of confusing everybody with these ballot boxes? Incredibly. I, this is more of a, a quick response, but regardless of whether it's a blue or red state, I think we all as Americans can come together and say that every vote should count and should feel safe and feel responded. We we think about representation. We think about things of that nature. Um, what's also interesting about that case and that situation in California is it was happening in one of the more conservative leaning parts of California. So Orange County, um, for our listeners on this podcast, tends to be more purple than the remainder of California. And you look at the possibility that now all of these individuals who don't necessarily lean on or fall into the ideology that is California are now having their votes called into question because they trusted a party to do the appropriate thing. And all of a sudden, did they do the appropriate thing? Yeah, no, I, (laughs) I don't have a lot of words for what's going on in California. It just looks like a complete disaster. Yeah. And I don't know how, I don't know how this, the state GOP can justify that, but Mm -hmm. they have backing from the president. So they must be correct. Hmm. (laughs) Caleb, what do you, I think as we listen to this and as we, we march full steam ahead to whatever November is going to look like, while we might not be able to resolve this right off the bat, what things do you think need to be happening either at a local, state, national level to put some of that integrity back into our voting system and give us some of that not having a conversation about how crazy things are or not saying, well, the president supports it, so it's going to be fine. What does the country need in this space? So I I think, (laughs) I mean, I think there's just so many things going on that it's hard to give you one answer. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you even remotely feel like your vote will not count, that is voter suppression. And whether it's you feel that way versus something actually happening it's voter suppression no matter what but like all the things that are happening there's a lot of people that are talking about like for for instance trump 
is tweeting all this stuff about, oh, so much fraud with mail-in ballots. When Even it's though like, he votes by mail. It, it's like less than 0.1% or something so small. And there's whole states that vote by mail all the time, like Oregon. So you probably shouldn't listen to our president when it comes to mail-in ballots because he also mails in his ballot. But it, it, I mean, I guess the number one thing is people need to know that their vote and voice matters and they should vote no matter what, even with all this crazy shit going down. And one of the things that I think we need to somehow figure out is how do we ensure, how do we show the American people? And this is probably an answer for Congress or a question for Congress. How do you show the American people that elections in the United States have integrity? How do we show them that when you cast your ballot, you're not going to worry that it's not going to be counted. And that's extremely difficult to do, especially with all this misinformation going around. And it's especially difficult when the leader of one party is throwing around misinformation. So one of the best things you could do, despite all this misinformation and despite maybe feeling like your vote won't count, is to actually still vote. Yeah, I know for Idaho, um, the registration voter registration day has passed, but you can register on the same day as the election and vote. Mm -hmm. So I would, if you are registered, early voting, I think, also has begun in Idaho. You can still request your absentee ballot. October 23rd is the last date for that. But if you haven't registered, you can register on election day and you can vote on election day. Yeah, I was attending the Atlantic Festival and Stacey Abrams was one of the keynote speakers for um, one of their sessions. And something that was really interesting that she spoke to that I had never thought about in regards to voting was making a voting plan, having an understanding. Granted, this is Stacey Abrams, who has done amazing work in voting rights and uplifting people's voices. She spoke a lot about all of the different laws and intricacies that play into and are impactful for when you vote by mail and when you vote in general. So in um, Georgia specifically, if the seal to your absentee ballot has any form of a tear, your ballot could be spoiled. You have to actually go to the secretary of state, show them the ballot, get a new one and revote. I never would have thought of something like that. And (laughs) I know you've done a lot of work and been super connected with Vote Save America. And they have an amazing feature that kind of walks through some of those intricacies too, which as you start to plan for what November looks like, whether you're voting by mail or in person, I think using some of those resources are huge for this current election cycle. Yeah, something cool about Vote Save America. Um, Just type in Vote Save America in Google. It's the first thing that shows up. You can kind of scroll through the website, uh, literally visit your state in air quotes, and it'll kind of give you like what's going, the rundown of what's going on in your state. And they even have this cool feature that based on your address shows you, um, it's like the ballot tool and you can put in your address Mm -hmm. and it shows you all the candidates that you are potentially voting for in that area. And that's extremely helpful because it gives information on both sides and just kind of gives information overall. One of the things that's happening in Idaho right now is there's a prop about the constitution. It's a prop about maxing the number of legislative districts and like legislators Mm -hmm. with that in the constitution, because right now it's, it's not really set. You can change the amount from like 31 to 35, I think is the range. Yeah. Something like that. So they want to, they want to just say, okay, it's 35 and that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And you can't change it unless it's a constitutional amendment. 
So I, I didn't really know a lot about that until I went on the ballot tool and uh, learned a little bit more about it. So check that out. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> it's also fascinating for Idaho too, which is something I get to one, see by voting by mail, but also through this tool is um, in Michigan, when you get to the nonpartisan section and you start voting for judges, you have options and you're able to pick from an array of justices or just the one that happens to be there. But in Idaho, you vote to retain, which was super fascinating for me coming here of, okay, if I vote no for this person, what does that then mean for this appellant court and having to do some more research and understanding things like that? So I always support being more educated on the matter. And if there's ever a situation or a time where you're like, what do I do in this voting space? Just look it up. Yeah, look it up. Uh, Vote Save America will help you. Fair Fight, which is Stacey Abrams' organization, Mm -hmm. will help you out with that. And When We All Vote, which is Michelle Obama's organization. But it's It's a lot of people. people. But I think Michelle Obama is most closely associated with that. Yeah. Um, Shout out to the Lakers for not only winning the finals, but for LeBron James jumping on the When We Vote train with Michelle Obama. Heck yeah. It's great. (laughs) So Terrell... What should voters expect on November 3rd, on election night? <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? That's that's more than asking me to see what the future holds. I'd rather make a lottery bet at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's your quick take as of this moment? Not only a quick take, but what's your hot take? Hot take. My hot take and my quick take are not the same. Um, okay, what's your quick take? My quick take is confusion. Okay, what's your hot take? My hot take, and this will actually shock Caleb, y'all. My hot take is Joe Biden winning by 100 plus electoral votes. Ooh, that mm-hmm. is hot. That shocks me because you're kind of pessimistic about the election for good reason. For good reason. I mean, we've had our times. What about you? Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Why is that your hot take? You think Joe Biden has a chance of just blowing out Donald Trump? I do. I think that Joe Biden did an amazing job by saying that this election is an election for the soul of the country. And I equally think that 2016 showed people the importance of voting and the importance of showing up, whether you're in a state like California or a state like Idaho, every vote does matter because it can be a tipping point. You look at some of the voting margins that Hillary Clinton lost by, and they were not your tens of thousands. They were your hundreds. You think back to Gore v. Bush and how Florida genuinely could have gone either way and literally determined who the president was. So I just think that there's a a mixture of things happening and they all are starting to point in a positive way towards Joe Biden. And on top of that, we can't ignore the fact that we're in a pandemic and a lot of people, myself included, have lost family members and have dealt with the impacts of this disease and the mismanagement from um, administration and people are hurting. Uh, I think the biggest news that has come in Joe Biden's favor is the fact that the White House turned into a hot spot. So not only do you have this constant conversation around the mismanagement of it, but you're able to lean on and say, look at what's happening 
in the White House right now. All right, Caleb. So what is your quick and hot take? Ooh, okay. Okay, my quick take is probably pretty similar to yours. My quick take is I don't think the election night is a night. I think it's probably a week. week. Although when we talk more about the election, which will probably come in a future episode, I'm a little iffy even on that quick take. Anyways, (laughs) my, (laughs) my, my hot take though, my hot take is, wow, what is my hot take of this election? Honestly, my hot take is that my hot take is that if Joe Biden, if you see Joe Biden getting even close, like if it's a really narrow margin of Texas and maybe Georgia, then I think he's already winning the presidency. hundred percent. And I will say that, that I don't want to just say outright that I think he's going to win. I feel better about it now than I did a month ago for sure. But you know, anything can happen. And with all the crazy voting stuff, like all the news stories that came out in the last couple of days that we just talked about earlier in this episode, like all that stuff really does worry me. But my hot take is that if you're seeing Joe Biden winning places that he normally, that a Democrat normally wouldn't win, like Texas and Georgia, he's probably already won the election. Yeah. Honestly, our hot take should have been that the election goes smoothly and we have no questions once it's over. Because <laughs> that's only, 100% a hot take. One could only dream. <laughs> is that a dream at this point? It shouldn't have to be, but... Is it just an aspiration? Like, I don't even know if I can dream that up. I feel like it's just a thought that floats somewhere. Like, ah, yes. <laughs> ah, yes. <The laughs> when, fact, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that everything about this election cycle is unprecedented. Yeah. Even though, like, yes and no. Spanish flu happened during... Granted, it was a midterm election, but it happened during an election. That's fair. We voted during the Civil War. Like, I do question if there's a space where we can start thinking this is unprecedented because of the person who currently occupies the Oval Office, not because of the circumstances we're surrounded by. I would argue that it can be because of the circumstances, because even though we have lived through something kind of similar or big times of turmoil of some sort in crisis mm-hmm. during elections... You'd be hard pressed to find someone who remembers that or is living it today. So all of us, it's very like, wow, this is crazy in terms of precedent. Like we've been through crises during elections before, but right now, like, I don't know if anyone, if, if anyone who's living has been Hmm. through a moment like that, at the very least, I think we could have been like, it's obvious to me that our country could have been very much more prepared for everything that's going on right now. But the fact of the matter is, is that the the leadership at the top is just not willing to or competent enough, debatable on both ends there (laughs) to prepare for any kind of crisis. And I just don't think wants to at all based off the tweets and the messaging that we hear. Unfortunately. Yeah, I think to that question of how do we resolve this? And I remember being at the Lincoln Memorial for the March on Washington, listening to all of our, all of the different speakers, Al Sharpton and others, but the members of Congress were able to show up and speak. And something that was really impactful about that moment and about that space specifically was 
I think that space had an opportunity to be angry, be hopeless, just be unraveled, if you will. Mm -hmm. The day before the RNC had just ended with the whole speech in the Rose Garden, but it wasn't. And specifically, it had hope in and had faith in legislation that was moving through the House and is currently sitting on Senator um, McConnell's table. But the John R. Lewis Voting Rights Act of 2020 was that opportunity and was that conversation to really speak to and really say that there is hope that the democracy that we've grown under and we've learned from thrives and can exist. For those of you who remember, in 2013, the Supreme Court ruled against the Obama administration, specifically around certain parts of the Voting Rights Act. And they really kicked the can to our Congress and said, this is your problem to fix. And since then, there hasn't been an effort to fix that problem. But What was the problem to begin with? Uh, yes. So in the Voting Rights Act, there was a very difficult equation that Congress wrote that evaluated states that have been bad actors around voter suppression and just inappropriate voting habits. So it looked at voting turnout, voter turnout. It looked at the way they drew district lines. Most of these states had their districts approved by the Supreme Court, actually. And it was a it was a complex equation that tended to keep those states in that box for a very long period of time. And I don't remember the opinion perfectly, but one of the reasons that the Supreme Court landed the way they did um, was because they felt that the equation gave no state the ability to ever come out and they would always be stuck. It was easier for states to fall into this process, not as easy for them to come out. So we look at and we have this conversation about voting and we we speak to all of these nonprofit organizations that are really stepping up. But I also think it's important that we look at Congress and we look at where they can be a part of this conversation and how we move forward. And when we look at the current Voting Rights Act, one thing that the NAACP and other organizations have been able to lean on is it is a true commitment that the 15th Amendment is applied to everyone equally and fairly. And while Mitch McConnell might not be pushing it forward, it's important that we start having and thinking about what does security and voting look like? What what are those basic needs that happen? I know individuals always speak to um, making election uh, the election day a national holiday, but how can we be more authentic and more thoughtful around the ability to vote in America? I think that's a great question. So while I think it's important for us to think about what are some of those things that can be done to bring back the integrity of our democracy and our elections, as I highlighted with the John R. Lewis Voting Rights Act of 2020, there were some key pillars that were focused on, not just in the sense of protecting the right to vote for marginalized populations, but really truly looking at what does voting look like in modern day America, specifically talking to 
Indian populations and tribal communities, making sure that they have appropriate polling places, transparency when it comes to elections and a better accessibility to that. Having the national holiday for the election and really starting to look at that piece that was taken away from the Supreme Court on how do we better identify bad actors and how do we better ensure that voting is a right that is protected. But I would kick it to you, Caleb, and ask, is that enough? Are there other things that you think are are necessary, especially after we talked about these articles in protecting the right to vote? Yeah, so I think, I mean, obviously I'm not an expert about voting and what needs to be done, but I think that looking at everything that's going on is it shouldn't be this way. There shouldn't be such confusion and craziness and messiness and misinformation around voting. Voting is a is a right. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the things you mentioned, like making election day a holiday, like I think that's part of the answer, but I don't think it's the full answer because like mm-hmm. if we made if we made Tuesday election day a holiday, I mean grocery stores are still open. What about those people? You know, like like it's definitely part of the answer, but it's not the full answer. Just like um doing like all just mail-in ballots isn't the full answer because what about people with disabilities? How, yeah. how do we, how do we accommodate, how do we accommodate people with disabilities and how do we accommodate people who uh, live paycheck to paycheck? How do we accommodate people who find it hard to vote, especially like when we hear about these really, really, really long voting lines, mm-hmm. um, like 10 hours in Atlanta, like that's just not, that's not Okay. And this is a weird time. It is a weird time because of COVID. It is a weird time because misinformation is kind of off the charts more than it ever has been. Um, And that makes it difficult. Like what, what is there to believe? Right. Mm -hmm. I I think the answer lies somewhere of it's a mix of things. It's a mix of things like, yeah, like that sounds like a good idea. We're not thinking about, okay, we're not thinking about everyone here, but I think that's still part of the answer. Like Tuesday is a holiday as a holiday, obviously like, Still having in-person polling, I think, is important. Is very important. Early voting is important. Even same-day registration, which Idaho does, is important. But yeah, I don't think it's even one of those things. I think it's a lot of those things put together. And there needs to be some kind of like, like almost fail-safe system of when something goes wrong. Like for instance, like, like I'm not a big fan of like electronic <laughs> poll places uh, because I just. I don't know. I'm a little a bit lot that could go wrong. I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little paranoid about the like hacking and things like that. So I'm always a bigger fan of paper ballots, but again, like there's like, how, how do we make that as inclusive as, as we most possibly can? I don't think I have all the answers, but there's gotta be some kind of fail safe system for when something does go wrong or there are those bad actors. How do we protect the integrity of our elections? And, and how do we be the most inclusive we can be with voting for the whole country when there are forces that are trying to undermine it, like yeah. we're seeing today. Yeah. Without taking us down a rabbit hole, I I agree with all of that. And I I think to the point on lines, like lines at polling stations are new. It's just an issue that continues to be highlighted and continues to be more egregious. But I even think when thinking about voting and when thinking about the importance of it, we have to be cautious not to fall into only thinking about the act of voting. It also is when our districts are being redrawn, what do those lines look like? How are we making sure that you and I aren't voting in two very different counties, even though we only live two or three miles apart? 
when we start looking at it, when we start having conversations around voting, how can we ensure that registration is also as easy as possible? And the minute you get your driver's license, you're automatically registered to vote and you don't have to deal with these extra hassles. It's an opt out system. It's not an opt in. But I agree. I think it's a collection of actions, of principles, and it's also not all legislation. I think to organizations that we've talked about on this podcast and the work that they do to commute people to polling stations or to get that information out, that is huge and key to ensuring that our elections are safe and secure. Absolutely. And now I think we would like to kind of highlight a nonprofit, a national nonprofit organization that is um, trying to get out the vote and helping people understand voting through education and Mm -hmm. uh, connecting people to resources to be able to do so. We have highlighted several organizations today, including Fair Fight, which is Stacey Abrams' organization, Vote Save America, which has a lot of things from understanding what's on your ballot to even signing up to be a poll worker. But today we're going to highlight specifically When We All Vote, which uh, was started by a few people, most notably Michelle Obama um, being one of those people. But I'll go ahead and read kind of their first kind of couple lines about who they are. When We All Vote is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that is on a mission to increase participation in every election and close the race and age voting gap by changing the culture around voting, harnessing grassroots energy and through strategic partnerships to reach every American. So When We All Vote is this great organization. They've done a lot of great work. Um, In the 2018 midterm elections, they organized around 2,500 local voter registration events across the whole country and engaged over 200 million Americans online about the significance of voting and texted nearly 4 million voters the resources to register and get out the vote. The cool thing about When We All Vote is they have a lot of ways you can take action. First of all, they have a lot of resources for you. Um, like voting deadlines, know your voting rights, even have like a pledge to vote and get your friends to vote too. And they just, there's just a lot of help all the way around, kind of just like a resource hub. But they also have different ways that you can take action by yourself. One of that I kind of already mentioned is like pledge to get three other friends or 10 other friends to register to vote. This is something I'm trying out. They have like a rapid response social squad. So that's basically... You kind of join their team and they give you social media updates and graphics that you can share with family, friends, and just your online network in general so that people have all the information they need to use their voice at the ballot box, which is a direct quote from their website. And yeah, you can make calls and stuff with them. They're nonpartisan, so they don't support one candidate or the other. They just want you to vote Hmm. and have all the resources to do so. So I would check them out at whenweallvote.org if you have the chance. Yeah, I think if... Our listeners are getting one thing out of this is the importance of voting and the importance of showing up this November. At the end of the day, our democracy survives when we all are heard. And if you are listening to this podcast and if you've been a part of this conversation, I don't want to speak for Caleb, but I do feel comfortable saying I think we both hope and look forward to your engagement in your community and your ability to vote this November. Absolutely. Absolutely. Terrell, you are speaking on behalf of me (laughs) (laughs) as well, (laughs) but yes, 
again, most important thing you can do is vote. So I hope you have a make a plan to vote. I make hope you already have one, but make one if you haven't. If uh, you're in Idaho, like the state we are in right now, um, and you haven't registered to vote, election on November 3rd, same day registration for Idaho. Um, IdahoVotes.gov is the website to go to for more information about that. Well, this has been Terrell. And this is Caleb. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And we're dangerously likely to make a podcast.